So the subject is man and woman, relationship, spiritual perspective. I think something to that effect. And it, it would be very nice if there are uh, questions, but just to set the ball rolling, there are two ways in which we can connect with this world, connect with ourselves. One is to start from outside and go inside. And the other is to start from within and spread outside. And these two create two very different worldviews because when we look at surfaces outside, in anything, any element of creation, outside is about differentiations and differences. Anything, we look at uh, an object, plants, animals, human beings. Whereas, if you go within, you discover a common matrix of oneness. It's implicit in creation. So, for quite some time, there have been, uh, at least since the last few centuries, to say the least, an excessive focus on the externals of life which has its own role, its own place. But an excessive focus on the externals tends to focus too much on the differences and leads to a kind of division. It's, that's what we see all over the world, an extreme state of division. And, um, you know, this is very well uh, noted in a very ancient Indian legend. And the legend goes that Virochna and Indra go to Brahma to ask about the knowledge of the self. So what is self? And he says that look into this uh, water and uh, or rather look into my eyes and see what you see. And whatever you see that is the self. So I don't know they didn't have probably good mirrors that time so you could look into the eyes and look into the... <laughs> Uh, stream of water and Virochana saw and he said I look at my form and so the form is the self so he goes back and says form is the self and there was a whole culture which started from there which focused only on the form on the external of life but um, Indra says but this is perishable form changes but we have heard that you know the self doesn't change it's immutable so he goes back and goes back and goes back till layer after layer. Eventually he discovers that ah, there is behind all this the same stable unchanging reality. So that is the two lines of human advance. One which goes on the external and the other which goes on the inside. I think uh, the reason, one of the reasons why feminism came into existence was a revolt against this excessive balance which focused on the externals. So none can deny that we are living in an age of change and this age of change which scares many people is actually partly resetting the balance. That's what the Gita speaks about yada yada hi dharmas siglani. So the balance has been disturbed because there is a line of advance excessively on one side. That's what literally balance means. And it is to be reset. So because of this excessive focus on the outer, there were differences and you know, um, man and woman are two very different species. Uh, and because of that, quarrels, divisions, 
domination, who is more superior, who is inferior, all this started. But if we look at it from the spiritual perspective, which is from within outward, this is an absurdity. I mean, if we go back far back in ancient Vedic times, you know, if you read the feminism movement and come to India, when did the feminist movement start? So you will see that it started with abolition of the sati by the Britishers. It's an absurdity actually. Obviously, people don't know that 35% of the Vedic hymns we swear by the Vedas, but they are written by women, rishikas. So that which you revere most, you see, it's not an ordinary contribution to have so many hymns of celestial significance, of deep import to mankind, which continues to be a source of inspiration and guidance, has been composed by the women. If you go back in far back ancient time, women participated in war. That's how Kekai got the boon, that look, you know, I uh, ask you. Because she participated in the war and she saved the life of King Dashratha. There are many such instances in ancient times which show very clearly that uh, women had their own place. I wouldn't say that always a superior place, but definitely they had their own place and that was respected. And that place was not just inside, but also outside. They could be in war, they could be administrators. And as back as right, you know, the first freedom movement, at least the documented, I'm not talking of the other 200 years back, there was um, Pakura, that movement in Odisha and subsequent other movements. But the one 1857, we all know the famous mutiny, it was one of the spearhead of that was Jasiki Rani, you know, we all know that. And uh, so there has always been a place of women in society which was regarded to as with respect and dignity. And in India, we know that if you go back in far back times, when a woman was born in, in the house, she was regarded as Lakshmi. This, you know, is well known. We have kind of grown up in that tradition. So, um, when later on I read about all this about you know what's happening about women inequality frankly to me also it was like a shock I said is it really people treat like this because you grow up in a tradition coming from a certain background of a uh, typical Indian tradition and you have been taught to respect a woman because she is Devi you have the Devi worship you worship her as Durga you worship her as Lakshmi you, you know you know that without Shakti uh, Shiva is like a shower. That's how, you know. So, where did it all come about? How did this degeneration take place? And as I said, one was losing contact with the inner springs and strengths of our own life. So, let's take a small example of this equality of women and man and their relationship and how we lost the springs. So, in India, the tradition is when people get married. Actually, in some way or the other, it's in other traditions also. But the, the Indian ceremony is something very interesting. So I'm just for a moment bringing our attention to that. So um, how, is, uh, how does the marriage take place in Indian tradition? So what is at the center? Fire. And uh, how many times they move around? Who is in front and who is behind? They change. They change places, right? So what is it uh, very clearly? Who is at the center? The fire. What is fire? 
It's the divine will, the aspiration, the upsurging of your inmost being. It's so beautiful, so clear it is. I mean, if you just go through the ceremony and uh, you understand that, well, uh, at the center it's not, not uh, your ego or my ego. It's not my mother-in-law or father-in-law or my mother or my father. Center, central place is for Agni. So if anybody puts oneself at the center, what will happen? He'll be burnt, as simple as that. Can't have it. Just that's a place meant for the purifying fire. Again, that the relationship has to be progressively purified as you proceed. That is something which we see. And you know, when we don't understand it, it leads to so many issues in uh, marital life. So people are drawn to each other by the surfaces, appearances. No problem with that. But if they remain stuck with that, then after a while what happens? People get disenchanted with each other. They move on, they start looking for another partner and it happens like that uh, many times. But if you understand that the relationship has to evolve. You see, the big problem with uh, McDonald's culture is that we want ready-made stuff. So ready-made stuff doesn't exist in life, you know. In life everything evolves. You have to cook a meal. Okay, you can eat raw food, it's alright, but that's how animals do. So cooking the meal, everything upon earth has to evolve. This simple fact, there's nothing ready-made. There's nothing like an ideal man or an ideal woman and the two got together and lived ever happily hereafter. If one is thinking it exists, then of course it's a dream world. Sometimes dreams come true, but but by and large it has to work itself out. What is called in modern languages working out. But actually this working out is an evolutionary process. So how does it evolve? If you keep the purifying fire at the center. And then what happens? Ideally in a relationship, it should move on from the physical to the vital and the emotional and the intellectual levels. So over a period of time, if the two live together, they begin to get to know each other, they discover their interests, they discover their, uh, you know, deeper leanings, companionship, etc. But even that is not enough. Ultimately, you must discover what is your deepest seeking. And frankly, if there you can come together, then the relationship is really can be said that it is uh, made in heaven and uh, blissful on earth not made in heaven and suffered on earth and if it cannot happen at any point of time if they don't keep pace together in the evolutionary journey then one of the two or three things will happen one is that it will drag on drag on by force of habit Two people have gotten together, they have no choice, there are social compulsions and they, oh, there is a child so they just drag on. It's not a very healthy relationship to drag on because then if you don't grow then it begins to become stale, life becomes very frustrating if you don't grow. The second is that they actually each puts an effort to grow. Now what does it mean to grow? Normally to grow means I must change myself according to the other. Life is not meant like that. It's not built like that. If you try it, it after a while, any self-conscious human being with some self-respect will not be able to do it. Unconsciously, yes, it's possible. 
where you know people don't know their own identity see in olden times how olden times i am saying as if it's hundreds of years back but it was just 20 30 40 years back how did you introduce the lady generally anyone knows he is mr so and so she is mrs so and so sometimes not even the name isn't it mrs so and so as if the whole identity is based on that so naturally the woman had to adjust according to the man now all <laughs> times have changed so man has to adjust according to the woman we are not uh, wired for that simple thing we don't understand we are not wired like that that we can adjust according to another there is an evolutionary impulsion in us and something very beautiful something very sacred and we must respect it because we are here primarily for that each one is an independent soul on its own journey so the first thing is that let's undertake this journey in all sincerity and if the person you are destined to walk with keeps pace it doesn't matter woman can be far ahead and a man can lag behind and the two can come together at different points of time and it's amazing you know love is not like a claustrophobic space where you close you know lock two people together there is a very interesting indian story very ancient and very beautiful story about uh, a king um, uh, sikhidwaj and his wife's name is chudala heard of this story sikhidwaj so sikhidwaj is a person who is a nice guy but you know he is a king but he is only looking for the most beautiful woman to be my wife so he eventually finds chudala she is a very beautiful woman and he marries her chudala is a very inwardly developed being she is uh, now look at the story it's a very ancient story so she is a very developed being and um, she knows he is just uh, eyeing for her external beauty so why does she marry she says it doesn't matter she has realized the self it doesn't matter to her so they two get married quite naturally the king is so much now drawn to her that he begins to lose out on the kingdom and after some time as happens when we are drawn only physically and vitally he begins to get bored and starts having some kind of you know um vairagya you know this is not the true vairagya but <laughs> so he doesn't know what to do so he says i don't know i am fed up with life so she says okay so what do you want to do i want to discover who i am she says fine so he goes into the forest away and wants to discover himself chudala runs the kingdom and she does it very ably because again she is rooted in the self so uh, she doesn't need company but look the story when two who are complete they come together there is beauty and love but when two halves meet together it's dependency so she is complete in herself so she says it's fine so he goes and he goes and goes and uh, he wanders here there not able to figure out anything so chudala because she is a self realized person after 18 years she realized now is the time to catch hold of this guy and you know get him back so she goes there dressed as a sanyasin and she meets him sitting in the forest and meditating i don't know why people had to go to forest nowadays i understand there is so much rush in the city shore in the city but those days why they had to go so anyways 
So he goes, there, she goes there and finds this fellow and says, "What are you doing here?" She says, "I am trying to. Uh, I have renounced everything. I am trying to find the self." She says, "What have you renounced?" He says, "My kingdom." So she says, "Your kingdom, really?" So he reflects and says, "Yeah, kingdom was never mine. <laughs> Why did I think it's my kingdom?" says well in a way uh, yeah i understand but i renounced my wife and my other you know your wife so again he reflects and realizes that you know it's unfair to you know possess somebody like this that my wife says so what else have you renounced so he says look you know um, i have renounced my kingdom now and i am here wandering don't you see that i i don't stay at one place any time so she she tells him oh is it but have you renounced yourself if you want to discover your true self you have to renounce your 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 false self then it strikes him he says oh maybe i should jump off a cliff so he says you are willing to do all these things but you are not willing to drop your ego which is the source of all your trouble now it strikes him then she reveals that who is she she is his wife comes back they discover and they come together similar story about bharthari and pingala that they go away and they come together discovering the self now in both these story the important element is that the primary task of each one of us is to find ourselves before we begin to relate with someone and in the world and if this primary task is forgotten that we are here primarily to primarily to evolve and discover our own self then all kinds of confusions arise because let it be very clear uh, and i can say this with all responsibility as a psychiatrist counseling so many persons with all kinds of issues sometimes i have had people quarreling in my room for 2 hours and i didn't know what to do i was just sitting with my head <laughs> and at the end i had to say please close the door it doesn't look nice a sound is going outside <laughs> so uh, anything which is based on the ego it cannot bring a harmonious result it's it's i think it's a fundamental thing we we don't have to be great spiritual beings to realize because ego by its nature focuses on differences on externals i feel like this you feel differently i like to watch this movie you like to watch that movie these are my interest your interest is something else you know you like chinese i like indian what this is the ego self ego self is about a small cut out in nature which we which i call myself and anything which is based on the deeper truth that you can never never ever separate classic example two great spiritual names with which we swear in india anyone jodi hai hamesha saath rehti hai sita ram dusra radha krishna strange no sita ram story on one side if you go with the left brain analysis you say look at what rama did but why is it that sita ram are inseparable realities right see it it's so strange if you read the adhyatma ramayana where sita you know brings out her story she says it was my play i had arranged it what your play you went to ravana by your choice is of course he couldn't have come near me 
Because she is so much full of tapasya. Yes, I wanted to convert this fellow. Let's see, he loves me. Let's see if he can understand what is this love that I hold in my heart. He had to die. He didn't understand. He could only see Sita, the body, not Sita, the spirit within. Rama, on the other hand, sees, knows Sita, the spirit. So when there is a fight, people don't know this side of the Ramayana. That's why they see in truncated versions. When Rama is fighting Ravana, they notice that uh, Ravana is cutting, uh, Rama is cutting the head, it's coming back again. He says, why don't you eat at his heart? So he says, how can I? Why? He holds Janki in her heart. Look at the love and the beauty of love. He is holding Janki in her heart. He loves her, whatever it is. Say ignorant love of the Rakshasa. But he loves her. How can I hurt his heart which holds the form of the Divine Mother? Look at the love. I mean it's unimaginable. Sita on the other hand, she understands that Rama's mission is Raj Dharma. He must establish the highest and noblest standards in the society. Where even a king can be questioned. And he has to pay the same price as any ordinary mortal, whatever be the law of that land, unless the law itself changes. And she goes through that challenge. Not once does she bring up the children with bitterness. You know, your father, he did this to me. They have all the love and respect. It's amazing how we you know, overlook this part of Sita. And frankly, if the last bit of Sita's banishment would not have taken place, Ramayana would have remained incomplete. I look at it like that. Who would have brought out the strength of Sita? She had come to show the way. And what is strong character that you know people often portray Sita as weak, crying. Can such a lady be weak that in front of the Asura she picks up a blade of grass and says, Dare not cross this line, lest you be destroyed. Who can say this? Nobody can be living in a, you know, a titan king's palace. And refuse to all his entreaties and threats. So actually Ramayana is as much a story of Sita. And if you just look at it from the Sita's point of view, you'll see she has set a very high standard for women. That look, you stand by your own strength. Towards the end, Rama literally says, please come. Sita refuses. She is an independent woman. So when we look at the whole story and that's why we see Rama and Sita's story is a story of love. After all, if he didn't love her, why would he go endangering everybody's life and marching on to Ravana for the sake of Dharma? He does that. So the whole story is a story of love which transcends time and space. They hardly live together. And yet there is love. Such a love that today, God knows how many thousands of years, but we'll still, you know, it is Sita Ram. <laughs> it is Radha Krishna. Sometimes even Radha is head of Krishna. Anyone, what was the relation of Radha to Krishna? Yes? Was she, she Krishna's wife by any chance? Why do we swear with Radha Krishna? Radha is a friend of Krishna, a lover of Krishna. And Krishna is a lover of Radha. So much so that he surrenders himself. If you read um, Jaydev's, um, it's amazing. Krishna surrendered to Radha. 
and the love between the two they hardly lived together radha was married to someone now this is another paradigm of love which transcends even the social institutions breaks free from all forms and norms and the two are the shakti of each other and yet they don't live together in fact in the whole though people talk about shri krishna's wives the two ladies who were the most powerful uh, companions of shri krishna in the whole episode of bhagavat and mahabharata one is radha and the second is draupadi and that he was not married to either of them draupadi was kali's incarnation and shri krishna knew it he knew that you know she is that's why he called her sakhi and you know has a very special bond with her it's not just sister and brother it's a deep bond of friendship so what do these uh, stories really indicate the true relation ultimately and i think that's where the future is going towards as i said it's resetting the balance and the forms will change uh, in according but the spirit will be brought out because the spirit never dies what is the spirit in radha krishna relationship is a deep bond of love and friendship a perfect understanding of each other krishna goes to war and so radha never feels abandoned that's the story udhav goes and tells her that what you are praying to krishna krishna you don't know really you have to do pranayam and discovered the brahman etc etc and radha says but who told you that krishna has left ever and gone what a deep identity true love is that that is the basis of relationship and you have so many this i'm just taking up two stories randomly such stories of a man woman relationship which last because they are rooted in the deepest self we have ruru and pramadwara vishwabindu is immortalized in his poem love and death of course savitri such strong feminine characters are there in indian thought so where did all this decline and degeneration came about when did this happen my own feeling is uh, of course people talk about sati pratha and yes sati pratha at some stage existed and it's obviously horrible do sati never meant this if you read sati was arundhati sati was anusuya they never plunged into fire they were tremendous tapaswinis so what really happened well i uh, my own understanding is because of the invasions particularly the muslim invasion created chaos all the deepest uh, sense of culture it, it it that whole doctrine was like that it's strong difference between a man and a woman woman is an object of pleasure to be kept at home she is to be denied right to enter a you know place of worship this never existed in in indian thought yet these things because whenever there is a um, cultural um, coming together wrestle and embrace of cultures there is an exchange so you do take in many elements and we know that the first uh, great sati movement was after now you know padmavati picture has become famous so when did it start it started as late as that when you know uh, women realized that life is miserable if my husband is killed what i have to meet in the hands of invaders so she preferred that it's better to die then you know lead a life of total indignity i mean you see what's happening with the isis and which woman would really like to live like that she would either uh, kill the person uh, or, or you know choose to die i mean where the options left or try to just escape that life is hardly a life worth living so but much earlier when we see 
another problem that came came about which led to a degradation of uh, women and that was because suddenly shakti became maya you know if you go back in far ancient times it was shakti she is the executrix no god could ever do any of his functions without the shakti if you see the upanishad the unknowable is manifest as uma hemvati if you read the rigvedas there is aditi and the feminine consorts the ganga ganga comes much later scarcely but saraswati ila mahi bharati all of them are feminine goddesses which you know nourish the rishi so what happened subsequently post buddhism there was shankara's reaction but both ended up reinforcing the same sense of maya so when women became maya then the ascetic started regarding her as a trap somewhere you know these words came narakasya dwara deplorable you know so not everything that you read in the religion has to be taken as sacrosanct it's stupid to call a woman narakasya dwara shurbindo corrects it so beautifully he says if a woman has tempted you whose fault is it a woman or thine and then he says semitic said that woman was created to tempt man this is how semitic religion says their only role was to that and shubindu says i think nobly both of the creator and of woman imagine that thought that woman was created to tempt man so from that came the other swing the pleasure object all these are degradations which came later on maya so she is the creator of illusions but there is the other side leela so krishna is leela mein he is not maya mein he is maya adhipati he transcends illusions but he is the lord of illusions all that is created but above all he is leela mein and then you have shiva with his shakti so i think the time has come to restore the balance back and you see now woman is stepping out of the veils of the maya so she is saying you have thought that i am a power of illusion but i am real and you know how this real woman came out again very interesting when things happen which are disasters sometimes they can they can be always there is always a little boon hidden inside and one of them was the first world war know what happened after the first world war the feminist movement at in some way had started brewing round the corner i think with the mothers coming <laughs> it had started stirring in the air because they knew that now the age is changing but the first world war 1915 if you see they use the word second wave of feminist movement but actually what happened during the war men started dying simply so <laughs> there were not enough men to perform many of the functions so women had to step out uh, because you know they needed uh, somebody to drive all the way to heal the sick and so they had no choice and there the famous story which mother recounts that uh, the telegram was sent seeking help um, the americans sent telegram to the britishers that you know we need help so we don't have enough men to go to the war so can somebody help from your side so they said we don't have enough men either and a woman was listening and she says well we will go why can't i go and it started from that so she started going to the war to tend the sick to bring them back and then slowly slowly people realized that yes she can do everything which i did 
So this was the first step. Now the second step is she can do better. In every field because she brings in the human touch. And that's where we see that the two balance each other. Now what is the balancing factor? Man, if you go back to the ancient again spiritual truth, man is the self-reflecting intelligence that watches the creation. He is the Purusha. Sa Purusha that created so much confusion. People thought Sa Purusha means me, the man is God. <laughs> this is a way of saying. So, there is in all of us the self-reflecting intelligence which can separate. Below human beings or at least developed human beings, everything is under Prakriti. But with human beings, developed human beings, there comes this capacity to look at oneself. And this is primarily comes because of the development of the mind and the intellect. So nature followed two lines of development in human beings. One which we may call homo intellectualis. This is a new species, not homo sapiens erectus. That's a biological description. Homo intellectualis. This was the human being who started developing through the mind, up through the mazes. And the other was Homo psychicus. So, went deeper and deeper into the heart, through the feelings, into the emotions, swimming through the currents and the eddies. And what did she discover there? What did this movement discover? Well, a little aspect, a portion of the Divine Mother. What Shubindu calls is the psychic being. The source of love. It's feminine. Shubindu uses the word feminine for, you know, uses the gender feminine for the psychic being. It's a she. Out of the mystic K1 in man's heart, the heavenly psyche must put off her veil and step into common nature's crowded rooms. Why? Because it is a portion of the Divine Mother. So, one line of evolution went inside and developed this. These were the, this is the feminine side. I, again, let's get rid of the forms. The feminine energy in the race lives by the heart. It doesn't matter. Outwardly you may be a man or a woman or anything, transvestite, transgender, any, any which way. It doesn't, it's irrelevant actually. So the feminine lives by the heart, discovers the truth of the feelings goes deep and discovers who I am in the depths of the heart. Angustamatra. That's what I am. The self hidden within the heart. The masculine goes through the mind, through the intellectual mind, analyzes, studies, understands, so on and so forth. By the time he has reached only one step, the woman has discovered the truth. But the difference is that the feminine approach doesn't, uh, you know, when you discover it, you discover, uh, um, you know, you, you become very humble because you discover you are a child of the divine. So, you know, it, it fills you with a tremendous, uh, at one level, a sense of security. On the other level, uh, it fills you with love. It fills you with humility. But this one, so women, when the feminine side discovers the self in the feminine way, uh, such people don't boast. That's why, you know, people often ask so why there are so many masculine saints. So I have a very simple answer to it because women don't boast. Women don't like to declare, I am a saint. She doesn't need to. She knows she is. 
when you don't know who you are then you have to declare i am so and so you know when people have to say in a group you know who i am or they like to take out their card or they like to dress up very well so that you know it means you don't know who you are equally i would say who needs makeup who needs makeup somebody who is not sure of oneself one doesn't need anything there is so much beauty inside so this is one approach and there is another approach those who go through the mind put things in very nice explanations nice books philosophy but someone like chudala says yes yes i know all this <laughs> i don't need to read all this i know it in my heart who i am and who i am is love you see this in savitri when savitri confronts death so death tells her uh, no for by knowing you will love she says no she gives another answer she says when i have loved all then i shall know it's a totally different approach and again it's not about being in a man's body or a female body and i'm saying this with all uh, uh, responsibility because nature is moving towards a new gender it's going to happen 100 years 200 years we don't know we'll discover ways and means where this whole sexual reproduction will become redundant science will discover it human beings will find a way and so this whole thing which people often say no no but women are plagued with maternity they need maternity leave doesn't matter let's go with it after all she has done so much you know you couldn't have existed without her so this is the least one can do is to grant a lady maternity leave some people give such silly reasons how can we employ she will go for maternity leave i heard this sometime from people how can we employ a woman because you know she will go for four months or six months maternity leave so i asked them you are so insensitive you are born of a woman the least gratitude you can express towards her is say all right it's fine if she goes for maternity leave i can understand if you say don't have too many children that's practical advice but because she'll go on maternity leave therefore i won't why they have no children it's all right we live in very interesting times so adopt a child soul creation is your child you know the famous story of shri ramakrishna and Masharada. So when they got married, so Sri Ramakrishna, first night, goes and tells her, "You want to be the mother of one child, you want to be the mother of few children, or you want to be the mother of the whole world." See, she said, "Of course, the whole world." You know what he did? He bowed down at her feet and said, "Ma." can we do that to our wives whom we claim to possess bow down at her feet and call her ma unbelievable no can we hold her hand and walk in together and say look we are great friends we have to get liberated from all these things you know wife must walk behind she must not you know she must wear this kind of clothes that can what is all this thing to do with your inner self what is spiritual about all this and we are so much trapped in so many such things which have come post not post modern post what whatever we call it post ancient <laughs> this is a baggage we are carrying 
Look at the way, uh, you know, some people talk about dress. Look at the way in ancient Indian frescoes, you have paintings of Apsaras. They are celestial beings. Look at their dresses. Probably many uh, so-called uh, um, men will close their eyes and uh, or open their eyes depending on who is with them. <laughs> and say we are very good people. What has this got to do? It's, it's I mean... Very frankly, I find it all very absurd. But it doesn't go with the ancient truth. There is a beauty and dignity in everything. You can, you know, dress in any which way and yet bring out the inner dignity and beauty if you know how to do it. And you can be clad in the burqa and lead a very indignified life, undignified life. It has nothing to do with dress. And I think these are the things which are being reset. And it's being forced upon us. It's no more, you know, today's children, I think they tell their parents. Mom, dad, I am not asking you. I am just informing you. No? Isn't it? Wonderful. So now what is the divine telling us? Look, I am not asking you how I am going to change this world. I am just changing it. You take it or leave it, you complain or you, you, you suffer, it's your lookout. But actually he is telling us, grow up. You know, children sometimes say, oh dad, just grow up. What outdated. So similarly, what's happening is, nature is telling us, grow up man, grow up. So the ultimately, I, I, this I feel the future of relationship is deep bond of friendship and love, which is independent of anything. I personally feel, and this is based on a lot of uh, a deeper um, truths, but I'm not, right now we don't need to go into those details. That day will come when this whole idea that man and woman, they must have a child, they must have physical relation to be really bonded, all this will just go away. They'll just remain very beautiful friends together with a deep love and they would become complementary to each other. Right now, and this is nature's whole plan. When God wants you to stop progressing, He puts two people together who are similar. Relationship of affinities. After a while it gets boring. But, when God wants you to grow and evolve, He puts two dissimilar beings together. You know what is it called? Complementary. Complementarity means there is something which is missing out in me, I need to take from another. There is something which is missing out in the other person, I need to take into myself. So either which way it helps. Either which way. It depends on the attitude. Frankly, it doesn't matter. You know, one small story with which I lend very often people it's, it's okay you can live together you can separate all this is you know a question of changing norms nothing else we should not you know marriage is sacrosanct all this I don't know from where it came um, it's not really necessary marriage is a dated institution uh, it, 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 yeah, it's real truth should be gathered the truth is that in the central fire you unite but institutionalizing and you know all that uh, takes away the progress. But coming to this last bit of story, Mirabai wanted to know uh, whether I should marry or not marry. So she asked one of the aunts, 
and the aunt says you must marry you know my husband is such a nice person who he makes good cup of coffee in the morning and wakes me up and then you know he even makes breakfast you know what and he you know he comes back after work and makes my lunch also i tell you he at night he presses my feet such a lovely person so mirabai says something is amiss in this story this can't be only true she goes and asks another aunt so she says, you know what uh, you should never marry my husband is horrible he doesn't no she says you must marry my husband is so horrible he doesn't look after me doesn't care doesn't even appreciate me So he says, then you are saying to Mary. He says, yes, because of that, I can remain fully detached from him and can love God. So Mira realizes that ultimately it doesn't matter. You should know where the focus is. And Mira Bai goes to uh, Mathura, wants to meet a saint. So he tells uh, through his disciple, he sends a message that Maharaji. स्त्रियों से नहीं मिलते महाराज ही डजेंट मीट विमेन नो वट मैसेज मेरा सेंट इन साइड मैंने तो सुना था कि वृंदावन में केवल एक ही पुरुष है आई एड हर्ड दैट देर इज ओनली वन पुरुष आई इन वृंदावन एंड ऑफकोर्स वी कैन से इन द होल क्रिएशन वेर इज दिस मैन एंड वुमेन हुम सो लेट एस लिव विद दिस ग्रेट ट्रूथ and in all over life each one of us should bring out both the masculine and the feminine side and then when we come together as two complete beings then there is beauty then there is love it's difficult yes but let us do difficult things maybe it'll take couple of generations we may not be able to live in this body to see this change doesn't matter we'll come again at least we would reap the fruits of the seeds we have sown today times are changing when shurbindo was asked in 1928 by jaya devi that um, one lady had come and she was to go to rameshwaram and then she came to pondicherry and she would not go to rameshwaram after that because he said i have seen the living rameshwar why should i go elsewhere and then one day she tells your window that uh, you know what i i want to ask a boon from you yes tell me so she said you know please don't make me a woman in next life why she says you have no clue how much i had to face to just come and have your darshan so shivindo smiled and said don't worry about it times are changing not not times are changing that's the lyrics but he said times are changing and they are going to change in such a way that in times to come i am going to bring such an age that man and woman will be equal so let's accept this truth this is the boon which mother has granted to us this is the place where feminist movement took its best turn if you see in the ashram you will see many girls wearing shorts and shirts and and you know what they are doing they are going for swimming they are learning boxing they want to learn fencing they can learn fencing everything they can learn but you know when it started 
Today it may not look so strange. If you think about it, it started in the 40s. And when there was a first march passed in Pondicherry on the transfer day, this 54, then the ashram participated in the march past and women and men marched together. And um, I think it was Light D and another man, they were marching with flags. You know, there were people not only throwing comments, they were throwing stones. And so some of them were worried. They asked the mother, said, doesn't matter, go ahead and march. She was opening the road to the future. Imagine, 54. Men and women marching together, wearing full pant and shirt with flag in hand. So this is the new life and the new age. Thank you. Any questions? Any comments? Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you can read. It will be nice if um, you know that mother's message on... It's actually not on marriage. It's very unfortunately titled as on marriage. Uh, if that can be, you know, if everybody can share. But there is a background to the message which I will tell you then. You know that, you know, to unite together. It's not actually on marriage. Because she had actually... Uh, for Auroville when they asked, she said no need to marry. If you love each other, you can live together. The only bond which is valid is love. So, it was very revolutionary. And then she realized that people may misuse it. But they'll say, okay, fine, fine, you know. So, she called back, said, wait, when you give this message, marriage only for those who still feel the necessity. So, she gave this message that it doesn't mean just living like animals, but to uh, unite together at different levels. And what is the secret of a lasting union? That she gave. Uh, and another very beautiful play which I think people should read who want to know what direction future will take is Towards the Future. It's a play of the mother which is basically based on a small chapter of her own life. And it's a play where the husband goes on to, you know, to another woman. And the lady... How, in a, what a dignified way, she lets go of him and says, well, all that I will pray is that at least the two of you don't let your relation remain animal-like. Let it be beautiful. As for me, I know that what I seek now is no more human love, but divine love. It's something amazing towards the future. So, if it's in Collected Works of the Mother, Volume 12. Uh, you can download it free of cost. Okay, so nothing then we can meet on Saturday. Thank you so much.